welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Peter Rosher, Global Head of Reed Smith's international arbitration practice. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. And with that, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our Arbitral Insights podcast series. I am delighted today to have as our special guest, Suhan Khan, who is an advocate of the Supreme Court of Bangladesh and is also admitted to the English Bar. Hello, Suhan. Hi there, Gautam. Thank you very much for having me today. It's great to have you, Suhan. Suhan is the managing partner of Accord Chambers in Dhaka, the capital of Bangladesh. And he's also a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators here in the UK. And he has a very interesting and very broad perspective on not just the world of arbitration, but legal practice and also the law generally. So I'm looking forward to delving into that with you, Suhan, today. Now, one of the things, Suhan, just before we get into the sort of the main agenda, so to speak, we're recording this podcast just a few days after the 50th year of Bangladesh's independence. And I wonder if, if you could just tell us what that means to you. Right. So at the very first place, after 50 years of our independence, where we have sacrificed, Bangladesh has become one of Asia's most remarkable success stories and has undergone phenomenal economic growth in recent years. So it's really a pleasure as a Bangladeshi to see uh, our country striving. And uh, this could not have come at a better time when all the key drivers of the country's economy include abundance of highly competitive workforce, industrializations, as well as overseas employment. So we take a lot of pride in having achieved these in the last 50 years. And uh, I believe that a lot more to come where Bangladesh emerges as the next Asian tiger. Yeah, and that is something we all look forward to seeing. In fact, I was just listening to what the head of the Bangladesh Stock Exchange was saying recently. And he mentioned in an interview that by 2030, Bangladesh is going to be the world's 28th biggest economy. So I think that just reinforces what you've just said there, Suha. Yes, and the entire country's workforce are deeply committed to Gautam uh, taking that forward. And we as, as a community and as a nation are working still on, on building it for the better so as to make us a, one of the developed countries in the next years or so. Absolutely. Now, I think given your very interesting mix of experience, which we'll come to in the course of this discussion, I wonder if you could first of all, just tell us what inspired you to become a lawyer in the first place and tell us a little bit about your background in terms of how you have come to be dual qualified both in Bangladesh and at the English Bar. Right. So in terms of what inspired me to become a lawyer, I think that the starting point would be my father, who wasn't a lawyer, but who did join a law school uh, parallel to his work, although he couldn't eventually finish it. So he always envied lawyers and told me from a very young age how lawyers defined not only the justice delivery system, 
but also the society at large, the politics and our history. Gautam, the fact that veteran politicians of the Indian subcontinent, including Gandhiji, Muhammad Ali Jinnah and Sherry Banglaike Fazul Haq, who's also known as the Tiger of Bengal, were all lawyers, is, is not a mere coincidence. And uh, it is actually a testament to the pivotal role which lawyers have played in our part of the world in defining who we are, our history, and even to the extent that they've defined the fate of our nations. So I took a lot of inspiration from this in, in becoming a lawyer. Moreover, I was a debater at school who enjoyed extempore public speaking and uh, was therefore admired for my oratory skills. So my tutors who attended my debating sessions always encouraged me to become a lawyer and come to the legal profession as they thought I would make a a fine lawyer. And that really acted uh, as an added inspiration for me. Here I am, eventually chose the profession. In terms of my qualification in Bangladesh and also being called to the bar, so after I decided to study law, I joined the University of London's international program and uh, obtained my Bachelor of Laws from there. And then I was trained what was then the bar vocational course from the University of the West of England in Bristol. And I was called to the Bar of England and Wales by the Honourable Society of Lincoln's Inn. I also did my master's from Bristol Law School, but after that I returned to Bangladesh as I was the only child of my parents, and thereafter I didn't really uh, pursue a career at the English Bar. Instead, I became an advocate of the Dhaka Bar, and eventually I was elevated as an advocate of the Supreme Court of Bangladesh. And I've had the privilege of acting as an international consultant for the University of California, Berkeley, and the East West Center. And as uh, you've rightly mentioned at the beginning, I'm currently the managing partner of Echo Chambers, uh, which is one of the leading law firms. And I also am the chair of a separate entity, EstateX, which is one of Bangladesh's uprising M&A advisory firm. So yes, currently I am working with arbitrations and working with arbitrations having implications or connections with Bangladesh as well. Thank you. Yeah. And just hearing you say that uh, just indicates just how much you've crammed in and how much you do and have done. I applaud you immensely for everything. One of the things that really grabbed me as you were just talking through that was how your father was a huge influence on you. And I, of course, identify with that exactly the same as you do. And also how there were so many famous lawyers in South Asia's history who've been so instrumental in its development. So in terms of your time in practice, have there been any lawyers that you've trained with and worked with who've been really instrumental in your development and who've really inspired you to to achieve as you've been achieving? Yes. So I've really had the privilege of working with two of the uh, senior most counsels of the jurisdiction of Bangladesh. Mr. Rokhuddin Mahmood and Mr. Ajmal Hussein, who's also a Queen's Counsel. So I've had the chance to work with them in close proximity, and it has been really a great turning point in my career. Especially, they've been instrumental in my exposure to great work, uh, great instructions, great engagements. So I believe that they have been my greatest inspiration in defining my career and who I am today. 
And also, I would like to mention that distinguished judges of the bench of the Supreme Court, Mr. Justice Iman Ali, who's one of the most uh, senior most judges of the appellate division of the Supreme Court of Bangladesh, which Gautami is the apex court of the country, as well as Mr. Justice Sir Rafat Ahmed, one of the senior judges of the High Court Division of the Supreme Court. They have largely inspired me in the profession. From the bench, they encourage young practitioners like myself in the bar, and therefore I've been closely following how they have been instrumental in defining our judicial system, and, and they have also been at the forefront of my inspiration in my career in this profession. Thank you. Those are very strong mentors. And so, Ina, tell us a little bit about how you first became involved in the world of arbitration, because I think this will lead on to some other important areas for us to talk about. But tell us how you first got involved in the world of arbitration. Right. So my journey in the world of arbitration really started with enforcement proceedings of foreign arbitral awards in Bangladesh wherein I was frequently engaged or instructed by international practices and law firms on the enforcement of foreign awards from the ICC, SIAC, FOSFA, you know, and many more institutions. And another area where I got the initial exposures was challenging arbitral awards in the jurisdiction of Bangladesh, which was getting quite frequent. And therefore, foreign practices sought our assistance in, in protecting arbitration awards and make that enforceable. So that was really the starting point. And, and another important aspect with which I frequently assisted clients is with interim arbitration applications, invoking the jurisdiction of local courts, because that's really important for interim protective measures that protect the, and preserve the subject matter of, of arbitration. These are the areas with which my initial exposure with arbitration really started. And at that time, I was more involved with project documentation, contract negotiations, as Ecotembers have been advising with some of Bangladesh's largest construction, energy and infrastructure projects. Eventually, these engagements started to culminate in more frequent instructions for acting as counsels in the arbitration proceedings itself. Uh, initially, it was uh, mainly and predominantly based in Bangladesh, but later on, uh, it started to go as far as Singapore and the UK. So, you know, once you've had that exposure, I, I understand that then things started to uh, fall in places and, and uh, engagements started to flow. And that's how really my journey in, in the arbitration world began. Thank you. And for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with Bangladesh as a jurisdiction, I wonder if I could ask you a couple of things to just follow on from that. I mean, the first sort of quick question is, for those who don't, who aren't aware of this, is Bangladesh law at its core based very much on English common law, given the history of British India, you know, in terms of the legal process? It is, Gautam. And in fact, Bangladesh's legal system finds its root in the English common law. And as much as that uh, in India and Pakistan and Bangladesh, we share a common uh, form of the legal system, which has its jurisdiction and, and its origin from the English law. 
And therefore, you will see that a lot of uh, celebrated practitioners in these jurisdictions actually come from English law backgrounds and uh, English lawyers have also found themselves in a very strong and competitive positions in these jurisdictions because of their wider understanding of uh, laws of England or the English legal system. And as to the evolution of arbitration in Bangladesh, again, many of our listeners will not be familiar with this. So it would be very helpful for you to just give us a really quick sort of summary as to how the arbitration process has developed in Bangladesh. How has the law locally kept up with the development of arbitration? And how much is Bangladesh as a jurisdiction looking to modernize its infrastructure for arbitration so that it becomes more institutional in terms of how it can service arbitration needs? Right. So uh, Bangladesh, alongside most other South Asian countries, is a signatory to the New York Convention on the Recognition and Enforcement of Foreign Arbitral Awards and uh, adopted the Ancestral Model Law on International Commercial Arbitration by means of enacting what we call the Arbitration Act 2001, uh, which is very much harmonious to the global framework of local laws governing arbitration or lex arbitrae. Uh, in terms of the cultural change, I would say that the cultural change in the justice delivery system and the natural inclination to arbitration uh, as opposed to litigation uh, as a way to resolve disputes is a fairly recent phenomena, I would say. Because if I look back Gautam, uh, just uh, uh, about 12 years ago, when I came back to Bangladesh and joined the profession here, Arbitration at that point in time was uh, seen as a dispute resolution process for the big ticket contracts meant for the larger corporations. And then, uh, you know, in the last 12 years, things have quite changed. And today uh, you will find it in contracts of all sizes and forms. So I have in the last 12 years seen how the arbitration landscape have actually changed and evolved in the jurisdiction of Bangladesh. And we have already undergone that transition to a fair uh, extent. And you also see increasingly arbitration clauses in construction contracts, not only between the private parties now, but also in government contracts, public procurement projects. And therefore, really, Bangladesh is adjusting and adopting with the global landscape of arbitration. And I see a good prospects in the coming days as well. That's great. And and are the Bangladesh courts now, in terms of their stance, would you say they are firmly in pro-arbitration and they ensure you know, things like party autonomy, the sanctity of the arbitration process? Would that be a fair summary? Yes, to a large extent, that would be. Because a decade ago, uh, we would very frequently see uh, parties to arbitration going to the local courts, uh, challenging arbitration proceedings by filing some form of declaratory suits here. And things would really get stuck for sometimes, even though the parties had originally agreed to arbitration. Increasingly now, what we see is the Bangladesh courts, whenever they see that the contract includes or has incorporated arbitration clause, they stay those kinds of proceedings or purposeful proceedings 
and really send the parties or direct the parties to go to the arbitration. And thus, it's a fair comment to say that the Bangladesh courts are indeed actively facilitating arbitration as a dispute resolution mechanism. And we are getting fuller support of the judiciary in that. That's really good to know, because as you were mentioning a bit earlier, you know, when you know, foreign parties are investing and where there are big projects going on in Bangladesh, you know, that confidence in the jurisdiction is very important. And, and just sort of, you know, again, to help listeners who aren't as familiar with these concepts as you are, if you have a foreign investor who is looking to invest in a project in Bangladesh with a local partner or partners, what is the typical? I know one can never ever say that anything is typical, but what is the generally typical choice of arbitration rules and forum seat for such an agreement where you've got a foreign party and a local Bangladesh party? So from our experience, when uh, we are entering into a contract, our clients are entering into a contract with a Bangladesh entity, and therefore one of the parties is based in Bangladesh and other is not, we very frequently see that a third-party jurisdiction is the go-to jurisdiction. In terms of the governing law, uh, the laws of England is very commonly go-to governing law for contracts as the substantive law. And in terms of jurisdiction or in terms of arbitration seats, we see that Singapore is really the most popular jurisdiction or the the seat of arbitration. Effectively, the parties either choose ICC arbitration clause or they go for SEAC. And this is really the trend, I would say, although it's difficult to generalize, but this is the trend when it's a contract between private corporations based in Bangladesh and between that of outside of Bangladesh. Uh, On a slightly different note, when it comes to contracts where government entities or public enterprises are involved, we see that the trend is more of uh, arbitration under Arbitration Act 2001, which is the arbitration governing statute in Bangladesh to be the more frequently used. And in that case, the public sector contracts still prefer Bangladesh or Dhaka as the seat of arbitration. So there's this difference in in terms of the seat, depending on who you are entering into a contract with in the jurisdiction of Bangladesh. You know, let's sort of just talk about, I mentioned in the introduction that amongst your many accolades, you are also a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators. And so your international experience, combined with your very successful Bangladesh practice, gives you, I would say, a very unique perspective on the arbitration process. And so I wonder if you could share with us some of your thoughts as to what adjustments could be made to make the arbitration process a better one for those who use it? Right. So, you know, if I'm to comment on that, uh, what I think is uh, there, there are needs, in my opinion, for a shift of mindset for some uh, arbitration users, mainly practitioners as well as the parties in domestic arbitrations, in that arbitration sometimes is still a time-consuming process. 
uh, when it comes mainly to ad hoc arbitrations, where one or more of the parties may not cooperate. So I think that at least in these jurisdictions, such as Bangladesh, institutional arbitrations, which is often seen to be a slightly more expensive option uh, in many cases, uh, at least in my jurisdiction, should still be encouraged because of its benefits, because of the services. And, and of course, there are fixed timelines and procedures involved, which are very much important for effective dispute resolution. In, in, in terms of how we could make it a better one, I think innovative use of technology can be availed and that will largely limit also the costs uh, for institutional arbitration. At the end of the day, the COVID-19 pandemic has really taught us that we can travel miles and discharge our responsibilities at the very comfort of our home. And if these can be adopted, not only during this uh, new normal, but also in the long term, in the long run, in the arbitration process, then of course, costs of arbitration will come down, users will have easier access to the arbitration process. And I think uh, that's going to make a difference really in the overall arbitration environment in, in these jurisdictions. And parties will be more inclined to avail arbitration as opposed to resorting to the costly and delayed process of litigation. And has third-party funding in arbitration made its way into Bangladesh culture as yet? Unfortunately, no, not at this point in time, although this has been in the discussion, especially when we uh, very frequently interact with international practices and global uh, law firms. This has been actually a point of discussion, but third-party fundings in Bangladesh is yet to find its way. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I think, you know, these things, I know they sort of started out in the US, they moved into Europe, and then gradually, gradually, slowly, slowly moving eastwards. So, and I know that a number of third party funders have been looking very much at the South Asian market. So that's no doubt, you know, something for the future, Suhan. Now, you know, in terms of the arbitration process, I mean, of course, you and your colleagues at At Accord Chambers you know, being one of the very top firms, you regularly act as counsel in important cases. And as you've mentioned, you work internationally as well. Have you got uh, ambitions to sit as an arbitrator with some frequency? Certainly, Gautam. In fact, that is one of the real targets I would say I look forward to achieving the, in the coming days. As a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrator and also Earlier this year, I was enlisted or impaneled as an arbitrator in the Thailand Arbitration Center. So I, I am really looking forward to sitting and acting as not only legal counsel in arbitrations, but also as an arbitrator, because I think that is going to further enhance my exposure to the entire arbitration process. And I'm very passionate about it, I must say. And, and really, uh, this is something I'm aiming for and looking forward to further developing and exploring. Well, you know, that'll be great because people like you coming through and further diversifying the pool of arbitrators on an international level is something that I would very much welcome. And I wish you every success in that respect, because I think you will accomplish many, many things. So I shall look forward to seeing your continued progression as an arbitrator 
because we need more people like you. And I sincerely mean that, Suhan. So I'll be looking forward to seeing your blossoming practice as an arbitrator as well. <laughs> now, just as we finish up this podcast, Suhan, one of the things that I always like to do uh, is to ask some more lighthearted questions. Because, you know, whilst we're all very passionate about the law, legal practice and international arbitration, we're also human beings, right? So it's always good to also have a bit more lighthearted discussion. Now, I know that you're a father to two young children, so your spare time, no doubt, is fairly limited. But what sort of things do you enjoy doing in your spare time? So at this point in time, as a young you know, father to a young to two uh, beautiful young children, well, I, I spend time with my family, but also I'm a big fan of traveling. So whenever I get a chance, unfortunately, it has not been the most ideal yes. time for the last couple of years, but I'm a big fan of traveling to destination and I like exploring and, and uh, taking out to my family at the very next destination I can plan. So traveling is really my another passion. And are there any favorite places that you've been to that you would like to go back to once international travel is a bit more normal again? Of course. I am a big fan of mountains and lakes. So Interlaken in Switzerland or mm. Langkawi in Malaysia. I don't know if, if you've been yes. to Langkawi, but these yep. are, of course, those natural scenic beauties I would really love to go back. And of course, my favorite north in the UK, Scotland, is another oh, yes. place that, you know, I, I really would like to go back. Yes, Scotland's beautiful. But as you'll know, Suhan, you've got to take warm clothing and lots of waterproof clothing <laughs> yeah, for, right. for most parts of Scotland. But it's a beautiful country, as you say. And then what, you know, what about music? What sort of music do you like? So I'm a fan of rock, alternative rock music. Michael Learns to Rock, I don't know if you've listened yes. to them, is one of my favorite. I may not look like very much of a metal fan, but I'm also a big fan of Metallica. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> oh, I'm impressed. You know, that's a great fact that you like that. You know, you like Metallica. I love it. And so, you know, if you could watch one of your sort of favorite old movies again, what would it be? And do you have any favorite actors that uh, and actresses that you that you're particularly fond of? Well, in terms of movies, yes, I've I've watched it many times, and I love watching old old time favorite, The Godfather. You know, all of them, and of course, The Shawshank Redemption. I'm sure it's is uh, the favorite of many, and I'm no. Mm -hmm exception to that. So these are my favorite films. And of course, my favorite actor and actress uh, used to be, it's, they, they still are, although no longer a couple, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. So. <laughs> Brilliant. No, they're great choices, great choices. And, you know, I've got to say, you know, Shawshank Redemption is one of those classic films. I also think it's in most people's top 10 of all time at some number between one to 10, that film will figure in many, many, many people's lists. And, and interestingly, the, the sort of main character there, as you know, he was basically a lawyer, wasn't he? Because, you know, when he was in prison, he was advising people and sorting out their 
tax returns and giving them advice on writing letters. So I think that's another common theme that runs through this discussion. Well, look, Suhan, it's been an absolute pleasure to do this podcast with you. Thank you very, very much for taking time out to do this with me. And I really think it's it's a great thing for people to know more about Bangladesh, for people to know, to know more about you and what you and your colleagues at the Bangladesh bar and legal community are doing to uh, further enhance legal services and the reputation of Bangladesh internationally. And I applaud you for everything you're doing. And I wish you and your colleagues every success for the future. I look forward very much to seeing you in person before too long. Thank you very much, actually, Gautam. And also, you know, I would like to reiterate the fact that uh, international practices, uh, law firms such as Reed Smith, they have a great potential to contribute to the capacity building where closer interactions between such international practices and leading global firms and also local law firms such as ourselves and local lawyers such as myself can really facilitate the the transformation because learning by doing is one thing which really has been my story but exposure to collective institutional experience of international practices such as Smith is really a different ball game altogether. So I, I thank you for arranging this and for having me today. And I believe that wider interactions such as this one are key to, you know, where we can all benefit from global exposure experiences in international practices, arbitration, in, as well as in other sectors as well. So thank you so much also for having me. And it has been really a wonderful evening. An absolute pleasure, and we look forward to collaborating closely in the future. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email arbitralinsights at reedsmith.com. To learn about the Reed Smith Arbitration Pricing Calculator, a first-of-its-kind mobile app that forecasts the cost of arbitration around the world, search Arbitration Pricing Calculator on reedsmith.com or download for free through the Apple and Google Play app stores. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, ReadSmith.com, and our social media accounts at ReadSmithLLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.